We have a treat this morning. I've asked Brother Al to share the word today on this Youth Sunday. And so as you know here, I don't care who takes the platform, there's always going to be good word. And so we just buckle our seatbelts and get ready to receive. Young people, sit up, pay attention. I'm sure some in here for you because it's Youth Sunday. But let's receive, as they said in old school, our very own. Brother Al Jones, come on. Come on, let them hear you. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. Um, how y'all doing? Good. Y'all looking good. Y'all looking good. Um, for those who don't know, my name is Al. Um, I serve uh, with the Ignite Youth Ministry uh, with my wife alongside with uh, Jason and Tanisha. Hey, where y'all at? Um, I love you guys, man. Um, I look up to you. Um, almost you know, made me cry. Of, of sitting over there. Uh, we had a good time at the retreat. Amen. Um, and like I said, I'm just excited about, you know, what, what's God, uh, he's about to do with Ignite this year and, you know, what he's already done this far. Um, you know, so, and I thank uh, Pastor Reggie and uh, London for giving me this opportunity to uh, speak to you guys and, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I promise I won't be before you guys too long because, you know, I can see some of y'all face that, you know, you're a little bit hungry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, ready to get a steak or something. I know I am, amen. Um, you know, excuse me if my voice sounds a little funny or off, but you know, I'm recovering from a cold. And, you know, I think it's funny that, um, you know, after uh, Pastor Reggie asked me to share with you guys, you know, uh, you know, immediately I started to um, get attacked by the enemy and, you know, kind of try to distract me. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I got sick and for about two days I didn't feel like doing anything. You know, I didn't feel like uh, getting out the bed or nothing. So you know, I took a couple of days off from work, and I said, well, I'm going to use this time to study and prepare. And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, I'm off from work. I get a, I get a call from somebody at work and say, hey, man, we need you to come downtown, and, you know, you got to testify at a grand jury hearing. And I'm like, God, you got to be kidding me. So, um, you know, but, but nevertheless, you know, I stayed on task, and, you know, I didn't get distracted, man. Um, so, you know, um, this morning, I'm going to share with you guys a few things, and uh, basically, it's, you know, in the lines of basically having an eternal mindset, um, just looking at the bigger picture, the, the, um, the grand scheme of things, because um, I believe sometimes as Christians and as just people, period, sometimes we get stuck in the right now, what's going on right now, what's not going right in our lives, and we get, we get off track, and we, you know, we lose focus of God, and, and secondly, I just want to talk about just basically, like I said, just staying focused on God, you know, keeping our eyes toward it towards God and everything. Um, so if you can, can you go ahead and turn to, uh, I'm in the NIV for uh, this first one, if you can't put it on the screen. I'm in Hebrews 12, uh, starting at uh, verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. And like a uh, pastor said, if you missed uh, Wednesday, uh, you missed a treat, man. Um, you know, Dr. Harris uh, had a lot of wisdom, you know, a world traveler too. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start uh, starting at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so deeply entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So in verse 1, it talks about having um, 
a great cloud of witnesses. And you know, how many know that since we proclaim to be Christians, um, eyes are automatically glued to us. Uh, people are watching. People, are, you know, they want to see what you're going to do, how you're going to react. Uh, you know, especially when you're when you're tried. You know, somebody tries you. Uh, you know, whether it be at work, you know, at school, um, at the grocery store, uh, in traffic. Uh, that traffic demon always seems to kind of keep up on me. Uh, for y'all, I'm from, I'm from Springfield, so you know, we didn't have a lot of traffic. So when my wife moved up here to Chicago, you know, I learned about patience real quick. Um, but you know, uh, people, are, you know, they they want to see how you're gonna react, especially if you say, "Hey, hey I'm a Christian." But you know. Um, and the first time you act out of character or whatever, or what they think is, you know, unchristian, like, first thing you hear, hear them say is, well, I thought you went to church, or, you know, I thought you was a Christian, or, you know, I thought you were saved, you know, but you can't get distracted by those things, amen? Um, you know, a lot of times with me at work, like I said, uh, for those who don't know, I work for the state police, so um, if, you're speeding down, if you're speeding down 290, you know, stop it, because you might not get stopped by somebody who's nice as me, so... Um, <laughs> But at work, I deal with, you know, some people who would, who would try you sometimes. Um, you know, and a lot of people at my job know that I'm saved. You know, I go to church. They know my lifestyle. So I have to kind of, you know, uh, walk on eggshells, you know, in a sense. And, um, you know, I get somebody who's just, now, just, just recently, you know, I had somebody just cussing me clean out. And, uh, you know, and I got coworkers who kind of looking at me and almost kind of grinning like, man, let's see what he's going to do. Right, um, but you know, I don't get out of character. You know, I keep my composure, and I very rarely raise my voice at work because um, you know I believe that you know uh, my wife messes with me all the time about just my presence, uh, especially with the hat on. You know, some people just get intimidated, but I rarely have to raise my voice or whatever and get out of character. So, like, like I said, I don't get distracted. Amen. I try not to let. I try not to get distracted. Keep my eyes on the things of the Lord. Um, so, um, and it says right there in verse 1, it says to throw off everything that hinders us. So, like I said, I got to get rid of those things. You know, sometimes uh, people want you to get out of yourself. Um, well, they'll try you just to see what you're going to do. Yeah. Amen. Um, and then look down at uh, verse 2, which I really want to focus on this morning. Um, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So right there, verse 2, we see Jesus was able to look at the bigger picture, um, which was spending eternity um, with his Father in heaven. Um, his, his, his place in eternity was solidified um, because of, in eternity because of the way he walked um, about the earth, the, uh, the way he lived his life. Um, so he wasn't worried about uh, what people said about him, what people, what people thought about him, because um, a lot of people didn't like Jesus, um, but, uh, you know, he didn't focus on that. You know, he didn't focus on who didn't like him. He was focusing on um, heavenly things. Amen. So, um, and if we look at it, the cross was, I looked it up, the cross was actually meant to be something shameful and uh, kind of humiliating. You know, they, they, they set that aside for special cases. Um, but it says, uh, I really like the way... Um, the NLT puts it, verse 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. 
You know, it says the joy awaiting him, you know, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Um, I looked up disregarding and, you know, it, it gave me words like uh, to brush off, um, to forget, um, to leave out of consideration. And, and my favorite, it says to pay no attention to. Because um, sometimes we get, we get in a situation where um, shame and all that stuff creeps in. And it's like, uh, you know, am I going to forget it or am I going to focus on the event? Um, I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. Um, while I was trying to get into this uh, law enforcement thing uh, a few years back, my mentor, who's a uh, Salmon County de- uh, Sheriff's deputy, uh, I just graduated college maybe a month ago. He called me. He said, hey, I got this uh, guy. He's a captain with a small department. Um, I want you to come talk to him, you know, see about a job. So whenever to talk to him. After the meeting, talking with him, he was like, hey, man, if you want the job, the job is yours. So I'm thinking, like, wow, you know, cool. You know, didn't fill out an application, no testing or nothing. So, you know, I'm thinking favor, right? Um, so I, uh, they gave me all this equipment and everything to get ready to go to the academy. And as I was getting ready to go, I put up to the station in my personal car. And I'm transferring all of my stuff from my personal car to the squad car to get ready to go to the academy. So... Um, they gave me my gun, and they had it in this, this little case. So I sat it on top of the squad car, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit that there, put everything else first so I can keep an eye on this, and I'm going to put this back in there. Well, I forgot. Um, <laughs> drove off. The gun fell off. Um, I didn't realize it until I got to the academy. Um, so I, I called everybody. I called my wife. Um, and she had my keys, so she had the keys. Like I said, it was a small apartment. So she had the keys to the station to go in. And I was like, maybe go in there and check and see if, uh, you know, I left it inside the station. So she's scared. She, you know, is I don't know what, because she got, she got my keys going into a police station that's locked. Because it's, it's a small apartment. They're closed on Sundays. So, and that's the day I left. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how small it is. Um, so she's walking, she's walking in, you know, with the keys or whatever. She's like, man... Nobody in there, right? I was like, no, I just go in there and see if I left it. So she's scared or whatever. I call my mentor. I was like, hey, man, I took this role, whatever. Backtrack and see if, see if you can find it. Long story short, they did not find it. Um, never found it. But what happened, the captain who hired me came to the academy the next day and was like, hey, man, you know, I like you. You're a, uh, you're, you're a good kid or whatever. You're still young, 22. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, my hands are tied, man. Um, he said, I got two, you got two options, you know. The first one I'd advise, you know, if you resign. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I just got this job. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one was like, hey, you can either fight this one or, uh, and we're going to launch an investigation, which honestly is going to really uh, come down to you getting terminated because of the circumstances. So I was like, man, so I called my um, mentor. I was like, hey, what you think, man? And he was like, you know, uh, if you resign, you know, um, it's better than getting fired. You know, you can, you, you're probably able to, to kind of um, to kind of discuss that one with somebody else or explain what happened. But if you get fired, it's going to look bad. So I, I resigned or whatever. So I'm going home. And, and what's funny about this whole thing in Springfield, it's, it's not a big town. So everybody kind of knows everybody. And it's, um, especially in the black community. Um, so people knew I was going. People knew that I was going to the academy. They were behind me, supporting me. So when this happened, you know, I started asking questions because I wasn't there anymore. So it's like, you know, what happened? So I'm like, my main response was, well, you know, it wasn't God's plan for me. Uh, you know, uh, it didn't work out, you know. So 
you know, I kind of did what I had to do. So um, I went back to, when I was in college, I used to come home for the summers and work at Sam's Club, bagging groceries. So I was like, you know what, man? And hold on. This happened in June. Uh, September, me and my wife, we were set to get married. So I'm sitting there without a job, and we're getting married in three months. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? So, um, and we were helping paying for the wedding. So, you know, I'm like, wow. So my wife was already working. And uh, I picked up uh, the job at a Sam's Club bagging groceries. And here I am, you know, a couple months after graduating college, bagging groceries at Sam's Club. So, I mean, uh, it took, you know, it took a lot for me to set my pride aside. Um, and then my wife also picked up a second job, the job she worked during the summers at McDonald's. So here we were, two college graduates, you know, flipping burgers and bagging groceries, right? Um, and we had people ask us and say stuff like, man, you know, um, how, uh, why are you guys working here? You know, if I had a degree, I wouldn't be working here. But we were able to, um, you know, set that aside and look at the bigger picture. Um, we, didn't, we didn't really focus on what was happening. We knew that this, this wasn't where the buck stopped. Um, you know, and this whole thing should have been shameful and embarrassing to some people. But like I said, we, we were looking at the bigger picture. You know, we serve God the same way as if he had already turned it around for us. Um, and, and you couldn't have looked at us and told what we were going through. And it's not because we were trying to hide anything or nothing like that. But like I said, it's because we were focusing on the bigger picture. We had our eyes on the Lord instead of our situation. And... Um, and in that same sense, um, maybe less than a year's time after that happened, I got a call back from the state police. Was like, hey, man, uh, out of nowhere, because I applied while I was in college. So I'm like, you know, it took forever. I was like, well, maybe they, you know, they got somebody else. I'm not going to get a call back or whatever. So I wasn't really worried about it. Out of nowhere, I got a call back. I said, hey, um, you still interested? I was like, yeah. So um, went through the whole process and ended up getting offered a job, right? Well, that's where I am now. And the crazy thing about it is, um, I didn't know at the time, but I found out that there was over 8,000 applicants statewide. And they were only hiring 64 people. I had less than a 1% chance of getting hired, right? But... Um, God doesn't look at the odds, man. Uh, He don't look at the odds. He he can care less. Um, You know, nothing is too hard for our God. Um, You know, like I said, I believe this happened because, you know, we didn't get distracted. Uh, We looked at the bigger picture. You know, um, know, shame and embarrassment were both forgotten about (laughs) in this process. Amen. You know, sometimes we have to praise God in that season of enduring that season of going through something um, until we get out of it, amen? Uh, it, not even until we get out of it, even, even after we get out of it, even t- harder. Um, but some people don't know, how, don't know how to praise God because they're so focused on the event. They're, so, you know, they're distracted by the event, the circumstance that, that's going on in their lives. That, um, they miss God, but, man, but if, you just look at, if you just look at God, if you just keep your eyes on the um, you're looking at a dude who he and his wife, the day after getting married, went home to an empty one-bedroom apartment, not even a bed to lay in. 
we, uh, we made pallets until we can afford a bed, right? Um, and I'm not saying this to show you how broke we were. I'm just saying this because every single time I look back, I have no choice, no other option but to believe that every single time I'm going through something, everything, every single time something happens in my life, God's going to bring me out on top every single time. And, and that little boy my wife's holding, that's a whole nother story. I won't even get into it because I don't even have enough time right now. Um, but, <laughs> but had we not stayed focused on God, and that whole time, I can tell you right now, our marriage probably would have been shot. Um, anybody ever seen that show? Um, it's called How It's Made, sometimes on the Science, Science Channel. Well, I was watching that show one day, and they were making like uh, samurai swords. And they started off with uh, a couple hunks of metal, right? And they took it and put it inside this furnace to make it hot and make it soft so when they take it out the furnace, they can beat it and shape it and mold it to what they wanted to. And then they put it in some water to cool it down and make it hard again and make it uh, strong. Then they put it back in the fire. Once they take it out the fire, you know, they beat it down again, shape it and mold it until, you know, that sword that they want, Right? So once they get that finished product, it's stronger than ever before they, they started with. It can cut through anything. Um, and like I said, um, some folks, you know, they're so worried about getting out of the fire. They're so worried about getting out of the fire, you know, that they come out still disfigured, not ready. Um, like I said... You can't get caught up and distracted with what's going on, what's happening. Um, you just got to keep your focus on God. Amen. Um, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew 6 and 31. I'm in the NLT. Um. Matthew 6, starting at verse 31, it says, So do not worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Um, we can't let such things like that, like I said, get our focus off of God. Um, you know, I like what Paul said in Philippians uh, 3, verse 7. He says, the things that he used to value, um, he considered them worthless now because of what Christ did. Um, and, and, and that's also why I like the book of Ecclesiastes, because it talks about a lot of stuff being meaningless, right? Um, the other, the other day, my wife, she sent me a text. I was in church, and she was like, hey, man, I'm so mad I dropped almost a half a day's worth of milk. You know, and she, and she, and, you know, she, she breastfeeds, right? So it takes, it takes a little work to get that milk. Um, so she texted me, and, you know, she said, I dropped it, you know, whatever. And I texted her back one word. I said, meaningless. No. <laughs> 
She sent me back a whole bunch of not so smiley faces, right? <laughs> um, but it's funny because like sometimes we let stuff like that get us off get us off our block. And when I got home, she's like, you know, I mean, the Lord convicted me, man, because you know I was looking for somebody to blame. You know, I was looking at man, like, how come he ain't here to help me take this baby in the house? You know, whatever. You know, so you know, she said the Lord convicted her, right? And like I said, I, it's, it's funny that God would speak to you in that moment of uh, meaningless. I was at Jewel picking up some stuff for the fast with my wife, so she sent me out. I went to Jewel and got the stuff and came back out to the car. Got, got, got to the car. There was a lady next to my car, an older lady, putting her stuff in her car from a basket. Her basket was behind our truck. So, you know, I was, I was like, well, I mean, I'll wait. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. So she's putting her stuff in the car. So I get in the car and just, you know, turn the car on, just waiting, you know, listen to Caleb, right? Um, <laughs> And so she pulls her, ba- her basket back as if to let me out. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go home then. So uh, I look back and make sure everything was cool. And I started bagging out. And um, she's sitting there. And she moved the basket like, hey, you know, come on. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm about to go then. So I bag out. And as soon as I put the car in park to, you know, leave out the parking spot, I look over my shoulder. She's looking at me, you know, shaking her head like in disgust. I'm like, what's she shaking her head at me like that for? <laughs> So instantly I get in my feelings, right? Um, I started mumbling under my breath, who she thinks she is. She must not know who I am, this and that, you know? So I'm going to town, like, and I'm, I'm steadily mumbling. So I pull out and I you know, get stopped at the light. And like I said, I'm a cop, so I look at license plates a lot. <laughs> so I looked over to the right, right? And this lady's license plate read the word <laughs> G-E-T-O-V-R-T. Get over it. I was, and I started laughing so hard. And I was like, God, you're right. Get over it. I mean, it's meaningless, right? Um, so I was like, this lady is probably never going to see me again. I'm probably never going to see her. But still, I let this thing affect me, right? I still let it get to me. As Pastor said, sometimes in married life, you know, um, I got in my feelings. Um, and you can't let that happen. You know, um, can't get distracted. I said, I want to be so focused on the Lord that, you know, nothing will distract me. Um, you know, and, you know, we sing that song uh, by you know, Travis Green that, you know, uh, all I want is you. Um, you know, and it made me think about something, especially when the Dr. Harris was up here on Wednesday. She was talking about when her and her husband, uh, when they went to New York, that they would buy certain things or whatever to hang out with certain crowds and, um, you know, get in exclusive clubs just, just to kind of, show off for somebody else or whatever. Um, and, you know, sometimes those things can as well tie down our mind and take our focus off God. You know, I said, um, you know, I wanted, um, I wanted to keep my mind, like I said, full focus on God and serve him wholeheartedly. And I believe that if I chase after God wholeheartedly and not think about those things, the things that I did desire, God will, God will give them to me. Like I said, the Bible says, you know, uh, and I, was, I mean, uh, trusting him uh, in all your ways, you know, um, and he would give you desires of his heart. So I was like, you know, man, if I, um, if I just, if I serve the Lord um, wholeheartedly, that things that I do want, I will get. Yeah. Amen. So a lot of my actions, the things that I do, a lot of times now, I think about my future. Um, as should you, and I'm talking about eternal future. Because I remember like 10, about 10 years ago, when I was 16, 17, I wasn't even thinking about the next day. Um, but 
Um, you know, I like to believe that all of my actions has either a reward or regret. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, I might say, hey, man, I should have went to that college instead. Or, uh, you know, or I should have wore these shoes today instead of those shoes. Or, um, or I shouldn't have bought that stock. Or, you know, I'm glad we didn't move in that, in that neighborhood or whatever. So um, just to kind of help you out um, as far as um, decisions, I got a little illustration. Uh, let me see that rope. All right. Now, this rope, right? <laughs> Once I get it to work right. Um, this rope, I, I got this rope, it's, it's 50 feet, right? Um, this whole rope represents a timeline of your existence. This little black part is your few short years here on this earth. Sometimes the decisions you make in this little black part affects all of this, right? <clears throat> and sometimes some people get so caught up, well, well I'm going to save, 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 and then this part, you know, I'm going to get married or I'm going to have kids or uh, I want to find a husband. And sometimes those things become your God and that's all you think about. And sometimes some people focus so much on this that they miss out on all of this. Um, you can't love this more than all of this. Right. So from now, like when from now on, every decision that I make during this part, I'm thinking about all of that. I'm like, am I willing? Am I willing? You know, they say YOLO. Am I, you know, you only live once. Am I living? Am I, am I willing to um, throw away this one shot that I get at this to get, you know, to get rid of all this? Because you're going to spend all this somewhere. Heaven or hell, you, you choose. All right? And like I said, some people get so obsessed with it that, you know, um, that that's, that's their life. Um, I want to go to this, uh, this last passage, and I'll close uh, for the sake of time. Um, <laughs> I guess I can, I can hear stomachs stum, uh, grumbling. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to uh, 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter 34. Starting at verse 1. Now I read this, not the NIV, so. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he ruled, when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Under his uh, direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars uh, that were above them 
and smashed the Asherah poles, the idols and the images. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to him. And then I jump down to uh, verse 8. It says, In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the ruler of the city, with Joan, son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. Um, so right here, there was things set up in place by the king um, that reigned before Josiah. Um, and the people, you know, worship these things instead of God. But when Josiah came in, it says that he purged Judah and Jerusalem of these things. He got rid of them. He tore them down. Um, purge means to get rid of whatever, to get rid of whatever is undesirable, um, to get rid of whatever is uh, not clean, to purify. And a couple of weeks ago, man, I heard uh, Imani prophesying. Uh, says she heard God say that we must first pure, uh, sanctify and purify ourselves before we are sent out. And man, that blessed me. Um, because I believe that um, the youth we have right here in this house, they have the ability, the power, and the influence um, to repair and restore their generation. Um, Josiah was eight years old when he took reign. Just think about that. Eight years old. Um, and I love the way they put it in verse two, it says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So he wasn't distracted. Um, he wasn't distracted. You know, no matter what happened, he didn't turn aside. Um, and, and because that very moment you get distracted and you start to look to the left or the right, It'd be that very exact moment that you'll miss God. You'll miss something from God. Amen. And, and some of the youth, you guys here, you guys don't realize um, how much influence you have, uh, who looks up to you. Um, and the reason you don't realize it is because sometimes you're too busy following the trends of the world. Um, but like I said, restoration and the repair of your generation starts with your obedience to God and to your parents. Um, and this is the key. Um, you have to make sure you have your own personal relationship with uh, God. Um, Psalms 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So um, you can't just rely on mom or, or dad and their salvation. Um, you know, it has to be something personal. Um, you have to taste and see the goodness of the Lord for yourself. Um, and I, I've used this before, but uh, during the fast, my wife had made a new dish with uh, some fish. And, you know, she, she made it and sat it on the table. And, um, I walked in the house and worked. She, you know, she said, hey, how you like it? And I, said, I, didn't, I didn't taste it yet. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's basically I don't know it's good yet until, I, until I go and taste it and see for myself. Um, I, Pastor Reggie can lay it out for you all, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday. But until you actually go and taste it for yourself, you will never know. Amen. Um, so I'm in on this. Um, but it's, it's a challenge to all the youth. Um, will you make a stand um, to set yourself apart from everyone else? 
And, and what it really comes down to is, um, will you be unashamed? Amen? Will you be unashamed? And if you make that declaration, go ahead and clap your hands.